We return to Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 22 this morning. Our work with the Messiah's manifesto continues. Matthew 6, 22 to 24 is our brief but poignant text for this Lord's Day morning. Matthew 6 and 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Father, we are thankful this morning for a compelling text from the lips of our Lord Jesus. The principle is profound, sight required for service. We must see in order to serve rightly. It is clear that many don't see clearly, and many don't serve rightly. O God, we would see, and we would serve Thee. We are convinced of Thy Holy Spirit, that You alone are the great treasure in our individual and collective life. And it is our prayer today that You would help us to see clearly and serve rightly You as our God, thank you for the songs that have pointed our hearts in that direction. Thank you for the scripture that has reminded us of your sovereign control, knowing the end as well as the beginning. And now help your people as we study the scriptures together to see and to serve in their individual hearts thy purposes this day. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. A number of you know that 2020 vision is not perfect vision. 2020 vision is normal vision for a human being. The familiar numbers 2020 represent normal sharpness of vision at 20 feet. If eagles had 20-20 vision, they would never eat. 20-20 vision is normal vision for a human being. Other eye-related factors include peripheral awareness, and I'm convinced that that's being lost in our day of people glued to their screens. The number of times I've stood in the aisle at the grocery store 
Can't go that way, can't go that way, because that person is absolutely taking up every inch of space. And if I try to go to left or go right around her or around him, I'll knock him down. And I thought about knocking him down. But I just wait and wait and wait. But I swear that people's peripheral awareness is getting more and more limited all the time. Then there's the matter of coordination, eye-hand coordination. Then there's the idea of depth perception. When some have returned from vacation and they showed those pictures of the glorious mountains, they don't look so hot in a photograph. You have to be there to get a hold of the depth of perception that is involved in those kind of Western spaces. And then, of course, there's the issue of focus, which I believe is really one of the issues of today's emphasis. And then, of course, color. Spiritual vision is one of the two topics in our continuation of study of the Messianic Manifesto today. We ought to call healthy spiritual vision, normal vision for those of us that know the Lord. You don't have to read very much of the Bible until you begin to understand that the things God values are very different from the things that sinful people value. Jesus, in this sixth chapter of Matthew, has been indeed holding the contrast between the value system of this world and the value system of heaven before the minds of his followers as this great sermon continues. Jesus has commended, most recently, uh, heavenly investment, investment in treasure, real treasure, treasures that are above. His command to his followers is to treasure up treasures in heaven, to live, as it were, with eternity's values in view. That's the focus of last week's text in verses 19 to 21. Two issues kind of flow out of that, connected to that, but nonetheless flow out of that. And the two issues are sight and service. The Lord continues to commend the wise investment of our lives by emphasis upon clarity of sight, as referenced in 22 and 24, or 23, and then clarity of service, as emphasized in verse 24. We want to think about these issues of sight and service according to the deep and significant way in which our Lord addressed them here in this text. We begin with, first of all, clarity of sight, which is essential to wise investment of a person's life. If you're going to invest wisely, you need to see clearly. The eye, in verses 22 and 23, becomes an illustration of the heart, the inner man. The physical operation of the eyes is used to teach a spiritual lesson in life. Jesus said the light of the body is the eye. The way in which you and I uh, uh, have a, a sense of vision is through uh, the mechanism uh, of our eyes. We see and thereby seeing uh, we are able to do, or if you will, we see and thereby we are able uh, to serve or to function or to be active and, and to do. 
I don't have to uh, 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 read in this passage very long until I realize that in the physical realm, I have what Jesus calls an evil eye. Actually, I have evil eyes. Uh, Jesus calls evil eyes eyes that don't work good. And physically, I have eyes that don't work good. I uh, am reminded of that ever so often, like just most recently, uh, I was uh, in the upstairs room where I dress every day after taking my shower, and I grabbed a hold of the little uh, hanging chain to turn the fan on because I was hot and bothered. And so I wanted that fan to get going, and so I pulled on the chain, and when I pulled on the chain, the chain come right out of the, out of the unit. And I looked up there at the unit, and it's just about uh, uh, at the top of my reach. I can actually grab uh, the little hole where the chain went and hid, like a snake in a hole. That little hole up there uh, was up in the top of the unit. I could just barely raise it. And so I thought, I got to go downstairs and get the step stool. So then the step stool that I went and got has three steps, and no step worked for me. The bottom step was still way too low. Uh, the middle step and the upper step were too high, and that all has to do with my glasses. Because it is hard to fix something when you're trying to take your glasses and stick them up on your head in a way so that you can see what you're working on. I finally took the glasses off, and then I really couldn't see what I was working on. And then I broke what was broke. And I fixed it in the Bay City way, which means I didn't fix it at all, but it's good enough for me. Someday, somebody's going to go upstairs to the parsonage and pull the little uh, chain to work the fan. They'll say, why? I wonder that don't work. I'm telling you today why it don't work. And the reason it don't work is not because I don't have the, uh, the mental uh, intellect uh, to be able to fix the mechanics that are broken. If I can see the thing. But you have to see in order to do. You have to see in order to do. And Jesus said simply, the light of the body, what's in the life, what's in the body, what is true as understood within the frame of a person's life comes to them through the eye gate. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, healthy, focused, thy whole body shall be full of light. One of the idiosyncrasies of getting old is light is always a problem. Sherry and I are always these days looking for brighter lights. To put here and to put there and to stick here and to stick there in order to function. Now, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about because many of you, many of you know exactly what I am talking about. Now, the eye becomes an illustration here of the inner man, of the heart. The physical operation of the eyes is used to teach a spiritual lesson. The eye is the window of visual contact with life. If a person sees clearly, then they can function knowingly. But if a person doesn't see clearly, their function is limited and hindered with various consequences. Of course, the blind man cannot see at all. He doesn't possess the ability to function according to the light or according to sight. 
This is why the Bible uses the blind man as an illustration of the unregenerate or the unsaved person. So many times I hear God's people say, I don't understand why my uncle doesn't get it. I don't understand why my mother doesn't understand it. I don't understand why my neighbor doesn't understand uh, the truth of the gospel. I don't understand why people don't get it. Listen, they can't get it. You can't get what you can't see. And if you're depending upon the aspect that you're just going to tell the truth and tell the truth and tell the truth to people, they'll never get it unless God opens their eyes to it. Seeing is imperative before salvation. That's why we should pray as we sing, open the eyes that they may see. Jesus said that religion is like blind people leading blind people. That's a dangerous thought. Have you ever thought about the reason why they don't issue driver's license to blind people? And I know we live in a day where they say that cars can drive themselves, but we'll see how that goes in days ahead. In our text, Jesus is not talking about blindness, but he's talking about good, healthy sight or bad sight, limited sight. The word good means whole, sound, and functioning according to design. The word bad means or evil means here difficult, labored, troubled, or annoyed. As I said, physically, I have evil sight, and that's why I wear glasses. Now, there's something here that I want to connect from our recent studies together on the adult level that I think is imperative to at least introduce in your mind, and that is God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Our study in 1 John commanded us to walk in light as God is in light as light in order that we might have fellowship one with another. Spiritual acuity, spiritual clarity means that you see the light, you see the truth, and that that light, that truth, that truth of God governs your life. When you really meditate upon the former section, 19, 20, you come to understand, 21, you come to understand that the treasure, the ultimate treasure in all life is God himself. God is our great treasure. And when you really think and meditate upon 22:23 concerning this matter of spiritual sight and acuity, you recognize that God is to be the sight and the light of your life. John chapter 1 comes to bear concerning the revelation of Jesus Christ as the light of the world and the one who lights the heart of every man. In that sense, we can appreciate the concept and the word enlightenment. Enlightened with truth, enlightened through understanding of God. You need to have your eyes opened. You need to have spiritual sight and clear sight in order to, uh, in order to have a sense of truth and a sense of God as you navigate the truth and the path of life. 
We know that Jesus is not ultimately talking about anything relative to uh, 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 physical eye correction or lens crafters. Uh, Jesus is simply teaching his followers that clear sight, that clear perspective, that clear focus of heart, if you will, is very, very important to every facet of life. Your eyes are here and used to speak of your mindset, your focus of heart, your attitude, and I do believe, ultimately, attitude towards God. Now, there is a very important and healthy precedent to the language of Messiah in this particular regard, and I'd like you to see that particular Old Testament revelation upon which the verbiage of Jesus is drawn when he says what he says in verses 22 and 23. Again, 23, but if thy eye be evil... Thy whole body should uh, shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? A life void of light. A person void of light. A person void of truth. A person void of God. A person void of the character reflective of God who is light without darkness. Now, the biblical precedent in language to Messiah's statement comes from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15. So turn there, please. Deuteronomy, chapter 15. And I'll begin reading in verse 7 and read to verse 9. It is in verse 9 where we gain insight into this idea of good eye, bad eye thing. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 7. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren. These are words of Moses to Israel concerning the care of the Jewish people one for another. If there be among you a poor man of one of thy brethren within any of thy gates in thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, Thou shalt not harden thine heart, nor shut thy hand from thy poor brother. Two issues in verse 7, hardening of heart, shutting up the hand. A shut-up hand is a non-giving hand. A hardened heart is a dark heart. A shut-up hand is a non-giving hand. And a, uh, a hardened heart is a dark heart. But, verse 8, thou shalt open thine hand wide unto him and shalt surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth or needs. Verse 9, beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart singing the seventh year the year of release is at hand. And thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him nothing, naught. And he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. Now let's back up and take verse 9 again. 
because there's some significant things here. Verse 9, beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying the seventh year, the year of release. What is that? Well, that is knowing the religious system for your own advantage. That is knowing the religious system, the way religion works, for your own advantage. Uh, knowing of the seventh year of release, the person would say, well, you know, uh, in the seventh year of release, uh, everything, that's been, uh, uh, everything that's been lent is returned, everything that is given is restored, and uh, so we're almost in year seven, so I can slide on this one. I don't have to open my hand to my needy brother in this regard because of the fact that uh, I'm going to work the religious system uh, to my own advantage. But notice, if you will, the language. How does God, through Moses, describe the bad attitude the darkened heart, the hardened heart, and the ungenerous hand in this issue of the law. He describes it as, Thine eye be evil against thy poor brother. Now think about the words of Christ. If thy eye be clear, if thy eye be right, if thy eye be good, uh, then the body's full of light full of grace, full of truth, full of godly response. But indeed, if your eye is bad, well then, your attitude stinks. You have a B.A., I'm not talking about college, talking about your bad attitudes. You have a B.A., a bad attitude, and that bad attitude restricts uh, the free-flowing life that God intends for you as one of his children. And of course, under the law, Moses said to such an evil-eyed person, and thou givest him nothing, you don't extend to him because you have an evil eye, you have a hardened heart, you have a dark heart. And so as a result of that, that individual that is without, he cries out to the Lord against thee. And it be sin unto thee. And now, you don't just have a little trouble with your brother, whom you can see without much help. But you now have a problem with God, who you can't see, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit within your heart and mind. Back to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, the light of the body is the eye, if therefore thine eye be single, focused, Thy whole body shall be full of light, but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. Blessedness of sight, spiritually speaking, is when the heart is rightly focused upon God and the value system of heaven. When things are sought above and the mind is set above on the valuable things as God counts value, then one continues to build up his treasure. If a person's view of life and what is valuable is not right, 
That person, according to the Lord Jesus, is in a condition of great darkness. And in that condition of great darkness, God himself is obscured from our sight by nature of our sin. The old popular song of the 1970s sang, I can see clearly now the rain has gone. I would pray that your spiritual rain clouds be lifted and that your sight would be clear because if you see things rightly, then you are more likely to be treasuring up treasures in heaven. You are more likely to be connected rightly to service as a result of your sight. I liked one of the things that Greek scholar A.T. Robertson talked about in this regard. He gives a slant that reminds me of certain reptiles that have the ability, like a chameleon, uh, to focus their eyes uh, in different directions at the same time and apparently not have their brain go nuts. And uh, uh, we, had a, we had an old gal in our church in Waterloo, sweet woman, uh, former missionary to Africa. You've heard me speak of her before in her testimony. Anne was just a jewel of a senior saint when Sherry and I knew her. But it was hard to talk to her because she had one eye, her right eye looked right at you, but her left eye was over here someplace. I don't know where it was. But it was somewhere over here. And I, I talked to her about it directly because I wondered just how nuts it was for her. And basically, because her eye was so offline, her brain just shut it down. And so he, she saw correctly. She could see out of her one eye. She could see you perfectly. But this other eye is like looking up towards heaven while this eye is looking at you. And it was very distracting to talk to her because of the way and the direction of her eyes. And uh, that's an eye problem. Of course, around here, the eye problem is you talk to people, they don't even look at you in the eyes. They look at the floor. But nonetheless, that's a different issue. Uh, but chameleons and certain lizards have a different kind of brain. And they can actually have one eye going that way and one eye going that way and one eye alone that way. And they can see all over the place. Well, that's kind of cool, but that's not the way you are. That's not the way I am. And so uh, God hasn't made us to be lizards. He's made us to be human beings. And as such, we can only see in one direction at a time. What is true physically is also true spiritually. Jesus said so. Jesus called the healthy eye single and the otherwise-eyed evil. The single-eyed person is the one that sees clearly. The evil-eyed person is the one that does not see clearly. The consequences of one's sight or vision is all-encompassing. If you see correctly, then you can serve rightly. If you don't see correctly, then you do not live correctly. You do not serve correctly. You and I have eyes, but Jesus said, I, singular. He's speaking about spiritual vision acuity, which is more a matter of focus 
and attention than innate ability. To be single-eyed is to be single-minded. It is to be duly concentrated. Your great need in mind is to be consecrating upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Two words, they sound almost exactly the same, but they're, they are different. One is concentration. The other one is consecration. Concentration means that you have a single mind, that you have a deliberate focus, uh, that you are where you are, like you're here and you are here, as opposed you're here and you're back home thinking about the temperatures you set the oven when you left your roast beef, or you're here but you're thinking about what uh, work projects you're going to engage in uh, in the process of uh, today or the coming week. Uh, no, this idea of concentration means to focus the mind, to focus the eye. Uh, it, it has to do with normal, normal sightedness uh, as a believer, and uh, it complements the aspect of the Lord's teaching here. Of course, consecration, S-E, uh, consecration uh, has the idea of to make a thing special. If a man is going to marry a woman, he first has to concentrate on her, and then he has to consecrate her, make her special above other women, and then on that basis, uh, she might agree to get married. Uh, but you have to concentrate as uh, a, a pre-step to consecration. Here the Lord Jesus is talking about the clarity of our concentration, our spiritual acuity, our focus of mind is important. We would argue it's important for a worship hour. It's important for a, a working hour. It's important to have a mind that is duly Focus. What's the opposite of concentration? Well, the opposite of concentration would be distraction. Distraction. The choices in worship are concentration or distraction. The, the choices in devotional Bible reading is concentration or distraction. And now you've never got up in the morning and picked up your Bible and started to read and then said to yourself, I just read words, but I never, I never thought of a single thing they were talking about. That never happened to you. That, that only happens to the pastor. That doesn't happen to any member of the congregation. That only happens to the pastor. Listen, every time you pick up your Bible, it's either concentrate or distraction. Every time you, you come to a worship hour, it's either concentration or distraction. Every time you come to a teaching time, it's either concentration or distraction. Jesus gave a clear indication that you have the ability, by God's design, to consecrate. You have the ability to deem something special and then focus your mind on that thing. And the thing above all things is, of course, God himself. All right, let's move on to number two. Clarity of service is likewise essential for wise investment. Treasuring up treasures is where the section began, verse 19 
We've talked about sight, and now we talk about service. Verse 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now that is exactly the same preached message of the prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel, 1 Kings 18. Uh, Elijah said it a little different. Elijah said uh, to Israel, listen, you as a congregation in Israel cannot serve Yahweh and Baal at the same time. Can't do it. It's impossible that if you try to serve Yahweh and Baal at the same time, who you're serving is Baal, not Yahweh. Jesus declared that no one can serve two lords or two masters. Jesus said that a person serving God couldn't serve another God. And the truth of the matter is, God will not share his servants. One of the most important questions in all of life, one of the most important questions you'll ever ask yourself is, who is the boss? Who gets to tell me what to do and when? Who gets to be the boss. And when once you settle the fact that when it comes to your life, God is the owner and God is the boss, a lot of other things will line up in a hurry. But Jesus made it clear that you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the most amazing thing about the Lord's statement here is that the name of the rival God used is not the usual. It's not Marduk or Baal as it was in 1 Kings 18. It's not Nebo, as in Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebo, Nebuchadnezzar, we usually say it. Uh, he worshiped Nebo. Uh, neither is it Ra, the sun god of Egypt. No, it's, it's called here Mammon. And Mammon is an interesting word because it's a word that is closely associated First and foremost, with security. Security. Uh, the, uh, the, the etymology, the development of the word mammon, is actually very, very close to the same as the word amen. When we say amen, we mean so be it. That's sure. That's without doubt. Amen to that. Amen to that. We say amen. Well, what Jesus said is you cannot serve God and some other amen. You can't serve God and some other thing as being your security. We do read historically that the Chaldeans uh, used a word very similar to mammon, uh, as reference to their money god. But the term is used in the New Testament to represent the entirety 
of the world system, a world system which is under the sway of the evil one. When James, the Lord's half-brother, dealt with the same topic, he said that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Now, much of what can be said about all this, you have heard time and time again. But again, let me just characterize the issue as we see it here in the lips of our Lord to think a little bit about how it is that we think or our attitude concerning stuff, concerning wealth, and how things compete for our love and loyalty. Jesus said you cannot serve. You cannot serve God and mammon. If God is your amen, then mammon will not be the focus, the attention, the concentration of your life. Your love and loyalty will go towards God, not stuff. It's interesting as to how stuff and security uh, promises things much in the same way that we, as the people of God, know that God promises things. It promises security. It is said to solve problems. We know that our current government loves to face every problem it faces with more of it, believing that it will solve problems. How long have we been hearing that we just need more money for this, more money for that, more money for this, more money for that. And when are people going to wake up and smell the truth of God in the roses of God's word and realize that it will never solve any problems? Yet it is said to provide freedom. It is talked about as a symbol of strength. It is indeed an influence and a power. It inspires devotion. It bids allegiance. Loving it is the root of all evils. I used to think of wealth as simply neutral, able to be either used or abused, but when you see the way that it practically works among sinners, it's not neutral. Possessions often possess their owners. We must learn to possess it without being possessed by it. If you got it, good. If it's got you, that's bad. Thomas Merton said, materialism has demonically usurped the role in modern society which the Holy Spirit is said to have in the church. I uh, have no doubt whatsoever that if the ushers at the beginning of the hour pass the plate and
and nobody gave a dime. I have no doubt whatsoever that if they passed the plate on a Sunday morning and nobody gave a buck, that the deacons would be meeting this afternoon. And yet, how many times have we gathered and there's been no great sense of God in our midst? There's been no great acknowledgement of the Spirit of God's work in the life of a person. And we pack up and go home just fine. Don't tell me that God's problem, people don't have problems with it. Even though when we got it, we're glad. Thank God for it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Exactly what Jesus said. You can't serve it. And serve God too. We do not trust in it. We trust in God. Jesus said you are not able to be its slave and God's slave simultaneously. And on this Lord's Day morning, on the, on the beginning of a, a new week, which is the last week of June, I would suggest to you we need to pick our boss and set our boundaries and decide that we're going to see clearly and serve clearly our God. Sight being the prerequisite to service. Any person seeing right will invest according to the value system of heaven. Any person with the right boss will serve with eternity's values in view. As the old song says it, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done in Christ will last. We must invest ourselves wisely. Eternity is a lot longer than anyone's retirement. People today get worried about whether they'll have enough stuff, enough funds to make it to the end. Listen, requires no money to die. Be free. All you have to do is live for God and die. That's it. God's got them both covered. There is a day to be born. There is a day to die. I'm not suggesting any sense of irresponsibility. I'm just suggesting clearly, as our Lord did, that God's people today are often serving it and not him. You cannot serve God and mammon. Normal spiritual acuity means that we see clearly. We know God is our treasure. Normal spiritual acuity means we serve and worship God. Normal spiritual acuity means that our focus and attention is full of God's light. And seeing clearly then you and I are able to direct our hearts and direct our minds to Jesus Christ, whom God hath sent to be our Savior and our eternal King. May Jesus Christ be praised by this congregation. Today and the coming days of this week, let's pray. Father, thank you for the gathering of your people this morning to worship you, to honor you. And now we would sing one last time in this month the hymn of our response, of praise and adoration, 
directed towards the Lord Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking around, think just a minute about your concentration, about your spiritual acuity, your sight of God and the things of God this Lord's Day morning. And then beyond that thought, think just a moment about your service, your activity, your plans, your work. Do you see God clearly? Do you serve God rightly? On this Lord's Day morning? If so, praise Him for that. If not... Because of Christ, you have opportunity to make it right, even right now, this moment, in this hour, to the glory and the praise of our God. Father, may our responsive be pleasing in your sight. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.